Welcome to the Puck and Pigskin Podcast, presented by Belly Up Sports. Just great sports fans talking mostly about hockey and football, sprinkled with a bit of everything else. Now, here's your host, a Flames fan with a Golden Knights backup plan, Jason Bizek. All right, I'm here with uh, Kenneth, who is the co-founder and CEO, I believe, of Symbol. That's S-I-M as in simulation, I'm assuming, and bull as in stock market bull. Bull market, uh, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about what exactly this is, Kenneth. Yeah, so well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's always nice talking to users in the market and, and, and being able to reach your out interest, which is great. Um, yeah, so Symbol, uh, as plainly as I can put it, Symbol is a stock market where you can invest in pr- shares of professional sports teams just like you would companies in the stock market. Uh, so we really created Symbol as this new form of entertainment. Obviously, you have your gambling spot, spa, you have your daily fantasy stuff, but there's really no way to invest in teams like you would companies in the stock market. And my background's investing, so I thought it'd be pretty cool. We launched it, and uh, here we are today. Yeah, so I was uh, actually introduced to it um, through Mike, who is the uh, co-founder of Belly Up Sports, which this podcast is, of course, presented by. And uh, so I perused the website a little bit and uh, came to you with a couple of questions because I didn't see any NHL hockey on there. But uh, And then here we are. So this looks like a really interesting idea to me. Um, I'm, per, I'm a person who ha- buys stocks already, but when I saw that I could actually buy stocks in sports teams, I was, uh, I was a little elated. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's what, and that's what we've gotten feedback from a lot of people, right? So a lot of my friends are starting to get in the stock market, become really popular, right? With the game stops up and the cryptocurrencies, a lot of more people are starting to invest. Um, so it's mm-hmm. great timing for us, but that's, that's one of the reasons why we launched the market is a lot of people want to invest but they're not passionate about companies they're investing in, right? They're not, it's, it, they're using it as entertainment, but we thought we could create a better form of entertainment with sports teams because like I said, a lot of my friends are investing, but they don't know what, you know, the CEO of the companies are investing in, or they don't know the earnings of, of the te- of the companies are investing in, but they do know the Jacksonville Jaguars went one in 15 last year and are about to draft Trevor Lawrence. So we're really giving them a platform <laughs> where they get the same entertainment value, but they're experts in the topic. Mm-hmm. So now myself, um, I, I see that there's NFL in there and NBA and MLB, I think. Uh, I myself am not a big fan of MLB or NBA, but I'm getting back into NFL. And uh, my team my team right now is the Raiders, I'm going to say, because I used to be a Dolphins fan until Dan Marino retired. And then I kind of lost okay. touch with the NFL. And now that the Raiders have moved to Las Vegas, I am now a Las Vegas Raiders fan. What can I expect for uh, numbers uh, regarding the Las Vegas Raiders this season? Uh, yeah, so the Raiders are an interesting one. Um, I mean, they were 8-8 eight eight last year. They're right in the middle of the pack. I think their price is like the 15th or so team in the Sim NFL market. So they're about midway. Um, they're, they're priced a little bit lower than I would say some teams that they're going to be better than because I think their future is a little bit tougher than, for example, the football team and the Panthers are priced ahead of them. Or excuse me, the Sim football team and the Sim Panthers are priced ahead of them. People are excited about the future, right? You don't know what you're going to get out of Sam Darnold in Carolina. You don't know, you know, what the football team's building. Um, they've got some exciting stuff going on with their defense. Uh, and then, what, you know, in signing um, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. So people are excited about them. The Raiders didn't have an exciting offseason, I would say. So the Sim Raiders stock didn't move too much. But they are, you know, middle, bottom, middle of the pack or so. 
Hmm. So then, so then kind of explain the process of somebody who say wants to invest in a team and how the, how the kind of the payment process works and how you get paid as somebody who invests in a team. Yeah, absolutely. So process is pretty simple. Our transaction, you know, I'll take, I'll take you through the whole user experience. Uh, process, payments are processed through PayPal. So you come and make a deposit, PayPal goes right into your account and then you can start investing in the teams. So in our market, there's two ways to make money and they're, they're very similar to how you make money in the real stock market, which is uh, one is a uh, share price appreciation, right? Buy low, sell high. If a team, is not as good now. And then in a couple of years, they get a lot better. They can improve in value. An example is actually the Sim Red Sox in the Sim MLB market. They started 0-3, their price dipped. They've won like nine in a row or they're like nine and one in their last 10. And they've gone up 12% just because, hey, they're winning a lot more games, they're a lot better. So now the other question is, okay, well, why are these shares valued the way they're valued? It's because of what's called win payouts, which is the second way to make money in our market. So similar to dividends from a stock you own, if a team you own wins a game, you have the opportunity to earn a win payout. So in the NFL, for example, the Sim NFL, if a team you own wins, you earn a 50 cent win payout. So 50 cents per share every time that you get that deposit cash into your symbol account. So for example, thinking about the Raiders, last year they won eight games. So 50 cents per win, they got a $4 return off of say a $25 investment. So the return was like 16% on win payouts. So that's where the shares are valued. So you know, you want teams that are going to earn a lot of win payouts or the flip side of that is, Hey, you know, maybe I, I think this team's good. They're not winning a lot this year, but I think they're going to be good in the next two to three years. I'm going to invest in them now while they're cheap and then earn win payouts in the future. Once, once they get better. So a team like say Kansas city, who pretty much runs the board every season now, uh, it seems they're going to probably have a lower win payout because they're expected to win more. Is that how that would work? So they, they get a win payout every time they win. But the problem is the return is lower, right? So for example, right, right. You know, the, 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 chief, the Chiefs are priced at $50. So if they win 10 games, but a team priced at $40 wins 10 games, you're better off buying the $40 team. So that's where the skill comes into play of, right. you gotta know which teams are gonna win relative to their price, right? You'd rather own the Chiefs, but they're more expensive. So would you rather own the more expensive team or, or the cheaper team? Right. Okay. Now I think I saw something on there also about a team pennant and, and how does that work with uh, giving back a team pennant or receiving a team pennant or something of that nature? Yeah. So in our, in our market, you're buying virtual shares. These shares are just represented online. But the cool thing about it is each virtual share online is backed by a team pennant, right? So when you buy a virtual share, what you're really buying is the rights to this team pennant that we hold on your behalf. So all it is is an asset-backed uh, uh, virtual share, right? So in, it, obviously we're not selling equity in the teams. We don't have the right to do that. But what we're selling is virtual shares that are backed by a team pennant. So the team pennant is just a physical asset oh, okay. behind the share. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, it sounds like a heck of a concept. And uh, I'm kind of excited to look deeper into it, especially when the NHL, uh, when you add NHL to the mix. And when do you expect that to happen, do you think? We'll get you some sim NHL coming soon. Uh, next year, at the beginning of next year, we'll we'll, we'll do uh, when we launch a new league. We do an initial share offering, so we'll we'll introduce all the all the shares. We'll sell them out to the to the market, um, and we'll do that for the sim NHL sometime this off season before the next season. So right now we have sim NFL, sim NBA, sim MLB. We'll launch sim NHL. We're also going to launch you know Premier League Soccer, MLS. Um, hopefully, start looking into some college sports, uh, all the major sports possible. Uh, NNL lacrosse by any chance as well. Uh, yeah, we're we're gonna look into some some of the smaller sports, <laughs> lacrosse, rugby, for sure. 
Yeah, lacrosse is getting pretty big now. Um, all right. Well, that pretty much covers uh, the gist of the the platform and how everything works. Uh, why don't yeah. you kind of just tell everybody where they can find you and where they can uh, get on Symbol? Yeah, Symbol. absolutely. So website, www.symbol.app. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.app. Uh, a lot of information on there. You can go see what the market's doing. You create a free account. Um, you can go look at it. We also have tutorials on how to do the market, how to make money, et cetera. So go check out that uh, on Twitter, uh, really active Twitter, at Symbol Exchange on Twitter. Same thing with Facebook and Instagram. Um, we can connect with you there. If you have any questions uh, that arose from this that you want to ask me personally, feel free to reach out to us uh, via our website. You can do a contact us or our DMs are open on, on Twitter as well. That's how Jason uh, connected with us. So feel free to slide into our DMs and uh, ask any questions you may have about the market and uh, we look forward to seeing you uh, participate yeah before i let you go i noticed you said the the website is symbol.app um speaking of app is there an app there, there's not an app currently so we're not on the app store just web-based app right now we are in the right. process of developing an app hopefully end of 2020 end of this year beginning of 2022 we'll have hopefully an ios app release hmm. all right sounds good well thanks for joining me kenneth and uh I'll jump on there uh, soon, hopefully, and start making some money. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> Appreciate it, Jason. Look forward to seeing your success. All right. I'm joined now by Travis Kura, who was one half of the CFL's Two and Out podcast. Um, Travis, welcome to the Puck and Pigskin podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad we got this uh, worked out now. Yeah, yeah. It's great to see uh, uh, two rivals here uh, talking. <laughs> <laughs> two Western rivals, I guess. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so um, I guess I want to start by first getting your views on what's happening in the CFL right now with the, the XFL-CFL partnership. <laughs> Sorry, partnership. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's your take on on what we've heard so far, and and where do you think it's it's actually going? It's hard to say. A, a lot of it is just rumors, right? But it looks like the CFL is kind of in desperate need of some help, and mm -hmm. I I think that is uh, undeniable. Really, I I don't know how I feel about a complete merger. I don't know if that would work, there, there's so much that needs to go in the, the two leagues, the XFL and the CFL completely merging everything together. Um, so I'm kind of worried about that as a, as a <laughs> CFL fan, uh, the, the, the Canadians being able to play the game, the, the three down game, the gray cup. And you can call me somebody that's stubborn and set in their ways, but I, I just don't want to lose that. But I, at the same time, I know that they need to try to make something <laughs> to make the business sustainable, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. not an easy decision, but they're, they're at the table right now. We'll see what comes out of it. The, the latest I've sort of heard is if there could be sort of an interleague championship game. And if, if that's what ends up happening and there's a partnership that way and there's a good relationship between the leagues and they have you know one interleague game a year i think that could be pretty fun to see where that could go and i think it would i think it would engage canadians because 
you, the Stamps fan, me, the Ryder fan, we can unite. I'm pretty sure that we would both be cheering for whoever is representing the CFL against the XFL team. I think it'd be pretty fun. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you that the CFL uh, definitely needs something to happen. And I think they've probably needed it for a while. And I'm wondering, you mentioned that you think it would be hard to merge the two. And I'm wondering at the back of my mind, if maybe that's what's taking so long to hear anything regarding what their plans are. Maybe they are hashing out how to merge the two. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I'm quite confident in whatever is in the works because The Rock's not a stupid guy. He's a businessman and he knows how to do business, as does... Uh, as, as does the ex-wife there. I, I can never remember her name. What is her Danny name? Danny Garcia. Right. Danny Garcia. Sounds like a football name. It kind of <laughs> <Danny> does. Garcia. <laughs> uh, um, one that you know well in Calgary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know where they're going, but I'm kind of, I'm at the point, I just saw a tweet, actually, uh, a girl on there that said, you know, I don't know what's going on with the CFL, but the longer we go without it, the more people are realizing that they can go on without it, which is kind of scary, too. Yeah, that's why it's critical for them to get on the field this year. And they don't have the might and the power that the NFL does, which is actually just a machine. It's... It, like it's up there with the apples and the amazons of the world like it's just a massive corporation with massive money behind it the cfl doesn't have that and that's part of the charm too like it's mm-hmm. it's a league that belongs to the fans and and i think that's why fans are so passionate right now and they, they don't want to lose what they've always found that it, it has belonged to them and it's been their little league that fits in their little hand and Maybe that's the the difficult part too to see it change and morph into something that has not been what you loved your entire life, and that's part of my my worry with this thing. But if the league can continue into the future, that's obviously the best thing to do. If it's the best thing to do, because we got these new stadiums in Winnipeg and Hamilton and Regina and. They can't just sit empty <laughs> like for kids. And, and I know their community facilities in Regina, it's owned by, you know, the city and the kids play soccer there, but a facility of that caliber to be used for minor soccer. I mean, no, no offense to the kids playing soccer, but that, that, that thing needs to be in use. It's a beautiful facility. Uh, just to have the rough riders, you know, playing four down football, the the thought of that kind of actually breaks my heart a little bit. So that's mm-hmm. what's kind of been running through my mind. And what it seems like is that it's MLSE kind of pushing the narrative here. It's yeah. uh, the, the organization that owns the Argos. And yeah, they have a ton of cash, but the Argos haven't been able to draw. That's the bottom line. They they haven't been able to get anybody in the stands, so they want to make that a success. And I assume that they have a lot of clout when it comes to the CFL because I, I don't know if there's ultimatums. I don't know if there's, well, we're out. We'll, we'll go join the NF or the XFL. We'll see yeah. how that goes. But there's a lot going on here. Yeah, and it's funny that the ML MLSE is controlling things 
we say they're controlling things that we think they are anyway. Yeah. Be because they own one of the most difficult franchises in the CFL, one of the most struggling franchises in the CFL. But it's like, so, how do you have a Canadian league without a franchise in Toronto? That's exactly. Yeah. So, so that's good, why they're important. Yeah. You raised a good point about the stadiums too. It, it kind of makes me wonder when these cities and football clubs made the proposals for these stadiums. If you know you're in a league that's struggling to make ends meet, are you still going to make those proposals? I So I wonder if the league's really been as, as bad as we think it has been. Well, and the bottom line is that the CFL supports a lot of jobs at, at a lot of levels. I yeah. mean, you, you just go to a stadium on game day. I mean, there's the parking guys, there's the concession people, there's the, the local, like I go, I got season tickets in Edmonton. The, the support that they show for minor football, the kids are there selling 50, 50 tickets. Half of the proceeds from that massive 50, 50 goes to minor football. Like there's a lot of people that get supported by these games. And we talk about the Grey Cup, uh, the hospitality industry. I've been to, you know, 13 of these things. Restaurants, hotels, like in November, that's big business because usually there's nothing happening in November. Who wants yeah. to go to Winnipeg in November? <laughs> so yeah. I think there's a lot, of, a lot at stake here. And the, the CFL is really entrenched in the community across the country. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely an interesting scenario, and I definitely can't wait to see where the heck it's going. Uh, now, what are your views on the XFL? Did you watch a lot of XFL when it was on, and uh, what do you think? I watched a few snaps of it. I, I I've got nothing really against it. I, I think the more jobs that are available for football players is a good thing. I mean, there are only so many players can make the NFL and continue that pro football dream. And the, the more jobs that are available, the better that can be. That being said, it seemed like at the beginning of 2020, they did everything the right way. It, it looked like they were ready to slowly build this thing. If they lost money for the first few years, they seemed okay with it. It looked to me like they had great marketing. Uh, the stadiums were set up great. Fans looked engaged. They were really into the sports gambling, so you could see the betting lines <laughs> like on the score. I I really thought that they were going to give this a legitimate run and have spring football in the United States. But <laughs> when COVID comes, it just changes everything. And, that, and I think that's why we are where we are now. Anything and everything is on the table. Yeah. Now, you mentioned a lot of stuff about jobs and, and how the – how the teams put a product on the field. What did you actually think of the games themselves? I, they, they were all right. I, I think you probably needed more time for the teams to gel and really, uh, you know, put on some amazing games, but there was some talent in there. And it, 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 what I found intriguing was like the kickoffs that they had. Yeah. They were really, really interesting because that's also what I fear about uh, losing uh, in the Canadian game because spe special teams is still such an important part. And the XFL was doing their best to keep it in the game, but also keep it safe because we know it's the most dangerous part of the game when guys are 
you know, flying down the field at hundred miles an hour for 60 <laughs> yards and then boom. So uh, the games were fine. They, they probably needed a, a few more weeks, a, a longer training camp to really gel and uh, put the best product possible on the field. But I, I thought the presentation, everything about it, they were off to a great start. And I, I think they had something going there. Yeah, I really like the uh, conversion options on the touchdowns. That too. And, and uh, I liked when they had uh, video reviews and they actually let you in the booth and listen to the conversation and how they talk about the play. I found that really uh, interesting as well. I Some of those it... uh, interviews like in the middle of the game. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I could get why a player would be annoyed by that or even a coach, but... <laughs> To have that access is, I think, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I think one other thing that they did that I found odd was how the players come and go throughout the season. I think they were adding players and, and deleting players from squads. And and wasn't there a, wasn't there a ninth or a, an extra team that players could be put on or something weird like that? I, I don't remember that, but you're right. There was a lot of changes and there was a lot of shifting uh here and there but that that seems to be uh, almost par for the course it happens in the cfl a lot like that's yeah. one of the biggest issues with uh, i think canadian football where players sign the the one-year deal and it's not their fault uh contracts aren't guaranteed it's almost like every contract is a one-year deal anyway yeah. so I, I get that. It, it was a bit strange and maybe a couple more seasons under their belt, there would be some uh, longevity. They'd be able to build and have fans be familiar with guys on their team, right? Yeah. So now on the flip side, if they're not going to merge and it ends up being a situation where I, I keep hearing the CFL is going to be a pipeline to the XFL, what do you think of that idea? Oh, <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. I mean, because I don't if, think, I don't think it changes much on our end because the CFL will still exist. Yeah. Now the only reason I think about is player safety. Like could a guy play in like if everything, if the season stayed the same, could a guy play in the XFL and then play in the CFL? Because that's going to be hard on a football yeah. player. That's, I think, too much oh, in yeah. one season. But if yeah. they, and I thought yeah. about that too, could they share players and share talent somehow? I don't know how that looks. Hmm. But I would think that most XFL guys could play in the CFL and vice versa. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think it really hurts to explore something like that but is there too much football to be played in one 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 year because i mean if i if i suited up for one game i would need three months to recover so, <laughs> like i i know that these guys are well-oiled machines and uh they're athletes but that uh, that partnership between players I, I wonder if that is an option here to see where they're going because they're going to be stars in either league. Do we want a, a star like Andrew Harris going to play for Seattle and they lose him out of Winnipeg? Just, just 
throwing it out there. Right. I don't know if they would, you know, poach the top 5% of CFL players every year. I don't know if that helps the CFL at all, you know? Yeah, I, I guess that's a pretty good point. If anything, I think we we could lose some valuable players by we could. But yeah. So that's and a, we that's do a, to the NFL. That's that's the way it goes. But it seems like both leagues they sort of have a similar salary structure. I think for an American player, the XFL is definitely more uh, attractive in the way that there's no currency exchange. They they have a better chance at living closer to home. So mm-hmm. those are a couple pluses for uh, an American player. And I, I'm sure a Canadian player would want the opportunity to continue and play where they would like. So again, more jobs for players in North America. And they're always going to want that NFL opportunity as well. So if they can strut mm-hmm. their stuff in the XFL or CFL, and what makes me wonder about possible players going back and forth is, if they're playing two different rule sets, how, how will that that kind of merge? I'm really fascinated to see because I think the <laughs> CFL needs to they they've seen the reaction online and most diehard CFL fans they want to kind of keep keep the game the way it is because I don't believe the game's the problem. It's it's the stuff surrounding it. It's yeah, the, the marketing, it, it, the business, and all yeah. That. Or, or the non-marketing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about your podcast, uh, To and Out CFL Podcast. How long have you guys been uh, going now? We started in uh, 2015. So uh, this is coming up on six years, one whole year with no football. So <laughs> the, the last year has been a bit trying, but there has been content somehow yeah uh, along the way and it, it just keeps getting more and more fun we did a live show on zoom in november uh we did a live show at a bar at the gray cup in calgary in 2019 and we did a live show at the gray cup in edmonton in uh 2018 so we've been having uh lots of fun keeping this thing going so now how how did things work out doing a live show from a bar? I bet there's a lot of shenanigans going on there. <laughs> I don't know if anybody really cared what we had to say. There, there were there were drink specials and stuff, so that that definitely uh, helped. But we we got kind of a gimmick going where I uh, I'll take on a CFL player in an eating contest, and, oh. and so 2018. Uh, Zach Evans, a defensive lineman, played for Ottawa and Saskatchewan. I beat him in a uh, pierogi eating contest. And then at Booker's Barbecue in Calgary, I took on Derek Dennis, now plays with Edmonton, longtime uh, Stampeder, played for Saskatchewan too. We had a brisket eating contest. Oh, my. I won that. And... uh, Then in November, offensive lineman Peter Dyakowski, we had a Timbit eating contest. There was some controversy there. There's going to have to be a rematch to declare me the undisputed champion of that. So if you listen to two and out, it's probably 40% football, 60% nonsense. Yeah, I've listened to quite a few episodes and I like I like your guys' style, how it's just casual and you just sit around and just shoot the shit <laughs> you know, ty and i have known each other since the eighth grade so oh wow 
Yeah, so we 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 go way back, and the show really f- how the the stupid stuff has kind of grown is that in 2015 he bet me, and he just said this that he would get a full Brazilian wax if <laughs> if the Ottawa Red Blacks won 12 games in 2015. Well. They won exactly 12 games. <laughs> <laughs> so we went to his name, Brazilian Ty was born and we, uh, well, he got the job done at a salon in Winnipeg during gray cup week. And the rest is history. <laughs> I've never heard that story. And oh, I've, I've that's why of, he's Brazilian Ty. I've never heard that story. And I, I've kind of wondered a couple times why he's called that, but never thought to ask her. But now that I know, <laughs> oh, not man. much left of the imagination there, man. <laughs> poor guy, poor guy. He was a champion through the whole thing. It was hilarious. You got some video of that. No, I just... well, <laughs> I was in the room. And I had planned to have some video and some audio taken, but I'm telling you, we were like in a closet. There was no, no good angle for me to be. (laughs) So I I know Ty more than I ever thought I would. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) That is some craziness there. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't do it, but I mean, props to him for going through with the bet. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so where can people find you and the podcast on social media? So I think Twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of us at two and out CFL. Uh, we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. Twitter's probably the most accessible way. We got a website two and out.ca email through there and the podcast is on just about every uh platform we don't do the video thing but you can spotify google podcasts apple podcasts stitcher it's all over the place uh, you can find it by just searching uh to and out cfl podcast all right and uh, no plans to go on tiktok or any of that <laughs> i'm too old for that aren't i <laughs> Hey, I'm 45. I'm on TikTok. On I'm, a- I'm actually thinking about uh, creating a, a puck and pigskin TikTok account just to just to promote some video and stuff like that. Now, do you make TikToks or do you just watch? I've made TikToks. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. I, I'm actually friends with one of the biggest TikTokers on there. He, he I talked to him a, a few times, and uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting platform. There's a, there's a big variety of people that are actually on there and and once you start using it and and letting it let the algorithm know what you like to see and stuff it mm-hmm. it can actually be quite beneficial like mine's mostly food <laughs> mine's mostly food and sports related i look on there and i i like all the food you know the barbecue guys and the and the chef well, now and, you've caught my attention <laughs> yeah oh yeah there's some great food uh videos on there recipes nice. and oh so yeah i'm, I'm thinking of, i mean gary v's on there right so it can't it can't be too terrible <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe i'll try this out because uh i keep getting uh 
links sent to me. My, my sister just signed up for it. <laughs> I think she spends 15 hours a day on there sending me funny stuff. So. It's definitely addictive. Once you, yeah, like I said, once you get the algorithm to know yeah. what you like, like if you like the funny stuff and all that, that's all you'll see. And it's just, it's a huge rabbit hole that some days you <laughs> don't get out of. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, we're going to uh, hopefully talk to Nick Lewis here any minute. He's uh, set to jump on. Um, so I will uh, just transition to that now. And All right. We are joined now by CFL legend, Calgary Stampeder and Montreal Alouette former player, Nick Lewis. Nick, welcome to the Puck and Pigskin podcast. I appreciate the invite, man. And I just want to know how you figured out the puck and pink skin. I like the, I like it. There's so many sports podcasts out there that I was actually trying name different names and they were all taken. And I was like, Oh, I got to think of something. <laughs> and I don't know how, but it just came into my mind. The puck and pink skin. Puck and pig skin. Yeah. So, uh, let me just kind of pump your tires a little bit here. You're 15 years in the CFL, uh, 2004 CFL Rookie of the Year, two-time Great Cup champion with the Stampeders, of course. Sorry, Trav. Uh, <laughs> Five-time CFL West All-Star with the Stampeders, one-time CFL East All-Star, and holds the record for the most pass receptions at 1,051. Yeah. Crazy. So – your first uh, nine seasons, you uh, were over a thousand yards, and then in 2013, you suffered an injury. Um, after that, uh, 2014 was a bit of a rough season for you, um, with your streak ending there. A tough streak to end, and a tough injury to end that streak. Um, do, did the injury have anything uh, that affected that 2014 season, or was there a change oh, a in the game? Yeah. Yeah. No, a lot. Um, well, being 31, having my first major injury, um, being pretty much injury-free. You know, I played with some torn cartilage in my ribs, torn ligaments in my knees, but I never really missed games. I never missed more than one game at, at a time. And for the most games that I missed in my career, it was usually the last game of the season when we had it wrapped up. And um, Huff wanted to rest us for the playoffs, so – you know, me and Cope would miss a game um, near the end of the season. But that was the first time I ever had a major injury. And the fact that it was so bad, um, if my legs were smaller, it would have torn everything in my knee and everything in my ankle. Man. But due to the fact of having bigger legs, it only <laughs> tore my fibula. It tore the ligament that runs from your knee to your ankle. And it tore every ligament in my ankle. Yeah. So, wow. They didn't think I was going to come back because of the force of the injury. Um, you know, the funny story is, is that um, they said I wouldn't jog for four months. Uh, that was August 17th that it happened. I had surgery August 22nd. And they said I wasn't going to jog until December. I was actually cleared uh, four days before the Regina Western final game, which Huff didn't believe. The doctor said, you don't have a chance to be cleared. And um, he gave me two weeks to do whatever I could. I started working out outside. I've been working out before, but I was so determined to play in that game. 
and they actually cleared me. And I told them through the bye week the whole time because the last week of that season, uh, Micah Johnson tore his ACL. Uh, DeMonte uh, Bolden tore his MCL. So we're missing our starting two D tackles. Mark mm-hmm. Wade McDaniel got a high ankle sprain in BC. So he was out of that game. And I was like, this is, this is exactly setting up for this comeback. It's going to electrify everybody. I told Dave to put me in the playbook. Um, told Huff, you know, I'm going to be ready. The doctor kept saying it's impossible. It's impossible. But he's like, I'm going to let Nick think he can do something in two weeks. Um, but I did it. And I went back on that Thursday before that Sunday game and um, did everything the doctor asked me to do. I had enough strength. I could do it. And uh, he actually cleared me to play. Um, I remember walking in telling Huff I could play. Huff laughed, told me I was lying. Um, I said, go talk to Mikey, the trainer. Uh, Mikey said he is cleared. He comes up to me. He goes, they told me it was impossible that you, that they were just letting you do it. They, they was never going to clear you. And um, he said, you can play next week in the Grey Cup. Wow. And, uh, yeah, never got that opportunity. So um, I almost felt like that was one that we missed. You know, we had a great year. But, you know, those four or five injuries against in, against BC really tallied up. And yeah. I don't know if you remember, we started Justin Phillips as our starting D tackle. And Justin Phillips is about 230 pounds. And um, wow. and if you notice, uh, I think it was uh, week 17 to wrap up the West because we were with Sass, and that game was going to decide who won the West. And uh, they rushed for like 30-something yards. But in that Western final – they rushed for 287 yards, Corey Sheets and Darian Durant. And that was a huge factor. But, yeah, long story. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned your legs there. I guess it's a good thing you're thick Nick, right, as, as, as Rod Peterson calls you. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess to go back and just cap that off too. But, yeah, 2014, um, through the offseason, I couldn't work out two days in a row. Um, I was in a lot of pain in 2014. There were days I couldn't even do walkthroughs the day before the game. I only played 12 games. I had my first game with no catch, and that only happened because Cornish got hurt on the first drive of the game, and it changed the mm-hmm. ratio. So, so then I had to come out, and I didn't even play that game. I think I played like six or seven plays the whole game. So, yeah, that, that's one of the games where I actually hated the ratio. <laughs> Trav, you got anything for uh, Nick? Yeah, so then what happened? Uh, 2014, you're in a ton of pain. You end up going to Montreal. You get 1,000 yards again. What did? Were you starting to feel better again in your career, and did you go into Montreal with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder? You wanted to prove that you could still do it. Well, going into the Grey Cup in 14, I thought that was my last game. I was preparing oh. myself for that to be my last game. Uh, I was actually talking to Huff about potential coaching opportunities. Uh, Corey Chamberlain called me about coming to SAS as a receiver coach. So I was exploring other options, and Jim Pop called me. I, I'd seen Fred Stamps at a mutual friend's birthday party in Houston, and we were talking about playing together. So I guess he called Pop, and Pop called me, and, you know, we made it work, and I went to Montreal. in the first year, if you notice, all my yards come in the last eight games. The first ten games, I didn't really get the ball. Um, you know, they didn't know how to get me the ball, really, and do things. But we played a game in SAS where – I think I had five catches for 86 yards in the fourth quarter. And the next week they come in and AC's like, we got to get you the ball better. And from that point on, I started getting better. And then going into that second season, SJ Green got hurt the first or second game of the year. 
So it opened up a lot of opportunities for me to kind of lead that team and um, and get the ball. And I had the most catches I've ever had at 102, I think, from six different quarterbacks that year. And, yeah. So it's more about opportunities and, and, and getting the ball. But definitely it took, a, it took over a year to recover from that injury. Now, so, uh, a lot of people in Alberta will uh, say that it's uh... – pretty similar to Texas. So how was the adjustment from Alberta to Montreal? <laughs> you know, um, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I wouldn't have done it in my 20s, I'll tell you that much. Uh, but being in my 30s, being a little bit older, being able to control myself a little bit better, <laughs> yeah. definitely helps being in Montreal because that city does not sleep and you can you can definitely go out there and have a lot of fun. So be, a lot of your catches were uh, were pretty pretty nice uh, little routes down up the middle there, and uh, I'm sure you've taken your share of uh, nearly death defying catches. Uh, wh- what's the hardest that uh, you've been hit? Do you think? Tyrese Abair. Um uh, I ran an out and up. Danny Wimpron, our third string, was playing because uh, Hank had got hurt. Then Jason Gessler got hurt. Wimpron comes in. We're playing Ottawa back in, I think, 2005 or six, And, yeah, ran an out and up. Danny Wimpron, I was so open, he floated the ball to me. And as I see Kyrie kind of bearing down, I kind of jumped to, to catch it. But he just hits me so hard. And everything on my right side, the lights just started flickering. I remember I jumped up, started celebrating. Uh, Cope and Rambo's like, you can't hurt the pit bull. And I'm celebrating. And I walk back <laughs> to the huddle. And I'm just like, man, he got me good. And everything on the right side is just flickering up and down. I get to the wow. sideline. I talk to Pat Clayton. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But everything on this side is just flickering up and down. I look at the lights and I can see everything moving. He goes, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Every- Other than that, I'm- I feel good. <laughs> and uh, probably about eight minutes later in the game, down near the red zone or – yeah, probably just crossing the red zone, run another out and up, same play. He hits me again. I catch it. He hits me at like the two-yard line, um, and the flicker went away. So I always like to oh. say Kyrie's hit so hard that he can give you a concussion and take it away at the same time. <laughs> you know, I got to ask because I remember you delivering the punishing hits. So was there something, you know – about you, you're an offensive guy delivering hits just as hard, or if not harder than the defensive guys. Where does that come from? So in college, we I played in the option offense. When I got there, we threw the ball 14 times a game. So if you're not blocking, you're not getting on the field. Yeah. And uh, when you're running the option, these safeties are looking at that other running back, and they're running downhill looking at the other running back. And I just felt like that was a perfect time for me to take out safeties, and and also. <laughs> You you look at the game of football and offense. You're you're getting hit all the time. I want to equal the playing field. I wanted to make it yeah. to where it's a dog fight. So in the fourth quarter, if I'm tired, you're tired. You're like, I do not want this guy to come hit me right now. <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of times I use that to my advantage. I'd run at a guy full speed. I kind of dug my head towards him. He would brace himself for the hit, and then I would swim him into my out route. And he's waiting for a hit. I swimmed him. Now I caught the ball and I'm wide open and I'm running. I got a first down. And so I use those things to my advantage as well. Nice. Yeah. So, so on August 24th, 2017, you passed G Roy Simon to become the CFL's all time reception leader. Uh, give us an idea how big that was for you. And did G Roy actually reach out to you at all uh, in any way? 
Yeah, so he did a video. Um, that day was that day was crazy. First of all, but uh, Jiro did a video that they showed there, which was awesome. Uh, me and G have been friends for a long time, and you know, getting to work with him in BC a couple years ago was uh, was awesome, and and getting to beat him in golf was even better. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, he 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 definitely reached out to me. But going into that day, I think I was eleven catches from the record or ten catches from the record. And the CFL had said they went back and watched every catch and they missed a catch. <laughs> so I actually became one catch closer to start that day. That was the first message I read going into that day. Hey, you're one, one catch closer. I said, how many yards did I get on that catch? They said, none. I said, no, that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> how do you find the one catch that they yeah. didn't and it's no yards? <laughs> So, so I got to ask you when you're in a game like this, you're 10 catches away or whatever from the record. Do you guys actually, was it discussed to get Nick the ball a little more, the closer you got to the record or is that not coming to play? No, not at all. Um, I, I knew, uh, we had back-to-back home games. My mom was going to be there for both. Uh, so we wasn't pushing to do anything. We were playing Winnipeg. We were down. We made a big comeback late in that game. And, you know, me and Darian just found a lot of comfortability towards each other. Like, Darian watched me play. He's like, man, I just feel like I can just get you the ball. You're going to make the play and then everything. And, and if you remember that drive, I'd caught a pass for a first down, I think. Um, and then I caught another pass on that drive. And then it was third and, like, six or whatever it was, and I caught the pass for the first down to extend the drive to put us in the field goal range. And – so it really just wasn't getting me the ball. It was really just how the it was just playing out. Darren felt comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, getting me the ball in those situations on a second and 10. I made the first down a couple times. And then it came out to that third down. And uh, I was actually rubbing for someone else coming across. They went to a zone. Darren found me. And um, so, yeah, it wasn't even supposed to come to me, but uh, we made it work. Nice. So I'd say you got a few more good years when you thought the 2014 Grey Cup was the end of your career. You played, what, three more years? Did you know yeah. it was over after 2017? Did you have a post-football plan in place? Yeah, so I knew that I was done with football. Um, after 2015, I, I thought Montreal was going to be a one-year experiment. Uh, oh. Just go to Montreal, enjoy, because I knew I had the chance to suit up with Steph Logan and and S.J. Green and Fred Stamps and learn from Anthony Calvillo and do all these different things and, and, and be around John Bowman and Chip Cox and Billy Parker. And there's so many great athletes. I'm like, I'd be a fool not to take this opportunity. You know, so I thought it was going to be a one-year experiment. Um, they brought me back mm-hmm. in, in, in 16. But going into 16, I, I made a promise with my family. I said, look, I knew I was about 154 catches from the record. And I said, if I don't get 80 catches, um, I'm not going to play again the following year. And I went out and had 102. So then it was only fitting to come back. And then once I got the record, it was pretty much like when I knew at that point, Montreal didn't have a quarterback in place. Uh, Cato wasn't there. Uh, Vernon Adams wasn't there. Uh, they were going to go with Josh Freeman. And and I, I just didn't feel comfortable going back in that situation and, and setting myself like, what am I playing for? If I'm not playing for great cups at this point, um, there's no reason for me to really play. So um, I had made the decision at the end of the year. And if you notice, the SAS game was my last game. I played my first game in SAS, scored my first touchdown there. And that SAS game was my last game. And I told them, 
I told him basically before that game, like, this is my last game. And uh, I was I was happy of the full circle moment that I got in Sask. And, um, yeah, it was good. It was good. Well, uh, and just, just this week, you get announced you're going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. And, I mean, yes. when you get Another that call – when you get that call, what what goes in your head? Do you think about your whole career? Like, what what did you first feel? You know, first uh, it just felt, you know, my mother really wanted this for me. You know, it was a it's a very special moment, and and I think the way you get it too. Um, me and my dad had talked about it for a couple of days before then, and we were I didn't even know if they were going to do a Hall of Fame this year because they didn't do the actual induction last year. Yeah. So just knowing that, I. He was like, you think you'll get in? I said, well, I don't even know if they're doing it. And if they do it, there's only 21 first ballot Hall of Famers. So I was like, Damon Allen wasn't even a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he was third in rushing and first in passing at the time he retired. So go figure on that one. And um, so, yeah, and then two days later, I get a call from Matt Dunnigan. And, you know, my first head coach. And it's nothing for me and Matt to talk. So um, I didn't have no clue. We talked about my mother and her passing and then – um, and then he started talking about my career and I'm thinking, okay, is TSN about to do some kind of features or something? And then he hit me with it. And it was just like, it was very overwhelming, very special moment. Yeah. So, uh, now that, uh, you've moved on from football, you, uh, have a podcast going and, uh, Rod Peterson's show this week, you announced, uh, your latest venture. Why don't you kind of fill us in a little bit about that? Yeah, AO Sports. So AO stands for Athlete Owned uh, Sports. And I was just looking at this landscape of, of how, um, even like you guys, you have great content, sports content. And mm-hmm. for YouTube and, and Instagram and Facebook and some of these other platforms, they make millions of dollars and they pay out pennies, right? So I wanted to create a platform um, that would you know, blow them out of the water in a, in a pay structure, but also give people content, sports content creators and athletes a platform to create, be creative and have a safe place for their, for their content. And that's AO sports. So we're, we're based around four pillars of content. So we'll have broadcast quality shows, just like you see on TSN, ESPN, uh, Fox sports, NBC. We'll have reality, reality shows, documentaries. We'll have our live events, which are pay-per-view section. Um, well, we'll do live from events. We'll do leadership talks from some of the greatest athletes. Um, we'll do nutritional talks and all kinds of different things like that, educational. And just utilizing athletes' public speaking and uh, bringing in other people as well, right, on the uh, pay-per-view side of things. And we're, we're actually partnering with some really cool companies that give us a, a, a bigger platform and, and more variety of content. Uh, you know, podcasts and videocasts can come inside the platform. And also um, our AO Evolve is what's your personal evolution. So when you look at your personal evolution, it's mental and physical, right? Um, So to be able to train with some of the best trainers or get skill work from some of the greatest athletes, right? If you want to learn how to run um, a route from Jerry Rice or play D tackle from Warren Sapp, or you want to learn how to throw a ball from Jeff Garcia or Damon Allen, you know, you're going to have that opportunity through the AO Evolve and, it's going to be so much more. It's going to be fan engaging. Uh, we're going to put on events. We're going to give away dream trips to sports fans. So, like, what's your sports dream trip? Like, we're going to start doing that for sports fans. And that's what it's about. It's creating memories and experiences. And 
Um, everything that I was as a player is going to be what AO Sports is about. And the athletes are going to have freedom and the content creators are going to have freedom and they're going to make a lot more money. Put it that way. I see a potential uh, television deal with uh, Puck and Pigskin podcast there on AO. <laughs> Love it. The Puck and Pigskin. <laughs> Trav, anything else there on your end? Well, uh, I, 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 I'd I love your point of view from the player point of view, the, the discussions between the CFL and the XFL right now. <laughs> we don't really know where that's going. Um, but what are you thinking as a, as a former player in the CFL? Well, I try to look at it as strictly business. And if the CFL is not playing, it doesn't make sense for the XFL to link with them. And if the XFL is stable, it doesn't make sense to link with them. So what does the CFL get out of a merger? And what does the XFL get out of a merger? That's what I look at. Uh, the XFL needs talent. They need quarterbacks. They need talent. And if the CFL loses their top quarterbacks or loses talent, they're going to struggle. And the XFL can only give the CFL monetization and, and, and kind of viewership, but if you don't watch the CFL now, there's not going to be a huge percentage of people in the U.S. to say, you know what, I'm going to start watching the CFL because of The Rock, and The Rock ain't playing. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you're you're kind of like attaching yourself to a name instead of building your brand. And and one of the things is, is you got to brand this thing. Um, unfortunately, the CFL is branded, and they don't want to go against uh, their faithful clientele, which is 35 and up to bring in the younger generation. And those are some of the things that you have to figure out all through branding. You don't hear no CFL content outside of when CFL season's on. That's a huge disadvantage. You hear about the NFL 365 days a year, yep. right? There's always something and there's something all done with the CFL too. So I just feel like there's not a lot of people looking to put money into it. But um, AO Sports is, and we're going to change that. And we're going to change what, what you're going to be able to see, uh, the value you're going to be able to get, and even bringing U Sports to the forefront as well and, and putting on more U Sports content if we can, um, if they're looking to finish out this partnership. That's Man. awesome. That's good to hear. I, uh, I just want to say one more thing. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame. I know during the height of the Rough Riders, Stampeders rivalry, <laughs> I was a bit of a loud, loud mouth on Twitter. Mr. Nick Lewis blocked me on Twitter. And a few years ago, you gave me a second chance and unblocked me on Twitter. So thank you for that. I appreciate your insight every day. Indeed, Trav. Hey, man, you know, it's it's good. It's good. I always believe that you guys should be able to, to say what you feel and, and do. But, you know, for me, it's all about respect. And at the end yeah. of the day, I'll go back and forth with anyone as long as we're respectful about it and um yeah it's all good we live and we learn yeah we do <laughs> <laughs> that's right I'm, I'm in SAS right now i'm about to go train some kids uh with mac henry and charleston hughes and Derek moncrief and uh awesome. those guys for this camp uh, it's a free camp out here in SAS that we're doing so sounds uh, like I'm a terrible weekend <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the kids it's all about the kids that's awesome. awesome. Hey, before we let you go, Nick, why don't you just let everybody know where we can all find you on your social medias? I'm going to link everything down below, but uh, just kind of give a shout out to where people can find you. Yeah, um, at N-I-K-E-L 18 on Twitter, Instagram, Nick Lewis on uh, LinkedIn, and uh, the Lulu Logic Group 
on Facebook. That's the best group to find me on Facebook. My friends list is full. Great group. But you can always join the Lulu Logic group. It's a positive group. So if you have negativity, please don't join. And um, AO Sports TV is on Twitter. Um, all of our other social media pages will be coming this week. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be doing that and, and looking forward to much more. Thank you. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Nick and uh, Trav. And uh, I guess hopefully we'll uh, see some product on the field soon. And uh, I look forward to seeing what AO Sports has to bring. Yes, indeed. And keep doing them Snapchats, man. Keep doing that. Them TikToks. <laughs> keep, keep the TikTok and going. I enjoy I, I got, I'm getting Trav hooked on TikTok now. <laughs> I got to download it. <laughs> I thought I was too old. <laughs> no, I right, got guys. the TikTok, man. All right, y'all be easy. Have a great day. Have a good day, See guys. You.